Shalom, and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. In this week's Torah portion in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 11, Kitavo, there is a strange commandment. You are commanded, friends, to rejoice in all the good that God has given you. Sounds strange, doesn't it? Joy is something that's supposed to come spontaneously. Why should remembering the good have to be ordered, commanded. Because too often, we're not ready to rejoice when good things happen to us, especially if we're surrounded by darkness. But holiness in Judaism is not about withdrawing from the darkness in the world. It's about never letting the darkness define us. We're supposed to imitate God, remember? And what is God's first act in the Torah, you may recall? God's first act was to turn chaos and disorder into light. Whenever people tell me they feel close to God meditating alone in the mountains, on a hike, or at the beach, I say, of course you do. We all do when we escape from the messiness of the world. We all need a refresh. But holiness is found in the messiness of life and especially when we help people who are hurting and look someone in the eye we don't know and say, Hineni, here I am. This congregation, Temple Israel, and the largest African-American church in our city, Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church, brought the entire Mid-South faith community together four nights ago at a citywide interfaith gathering covered nationally in the wake of the senseless violence plaguing Memphis and all big cities. As memorial services continued this week, in case you didn't know, they're still continuing for a dozen victims of heinous violence in our city the past few weeks alone, I noted to the assembled crowd that every faith tradition teaches that we are safe with God when we leave this world. God just needs us to keep people safe while we are still in this world. Put differently, heaven is fine. Earth is where all the problems are. Earth is where God needs us most. 
Our Jewish Bible, or Tanakh, which Christians and Muslims also embrace, asks a question you probably have heard in Psalm 22. Eli, Eli, lama azavtani. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken us? And for the sake of our city and nation, it's time to flip that verse and ask, my God, my God, why have we forsaken you? Why have we abandoned you? Nonviolence is always the answer. Giving up is never the answer. Which is why instead of giving up on Memphis, leaving town, fleeing to the burbs or running away from the fire, Temple has been encouraging everyone who loves this city to get closer to Memphis, not farther away. Violent crime is a multi-layered issue. Do we need swift justice for children and adults who do evil, commit rape and kill? Absolutely yes. But we need even swifter investments in children who are not our own. Children whose nightmares come in the daytime. Moms and dads working two to three shifts without childcare in neighborhoods where poverty and blight is leading to despair and desperation. We have lots of prayer in this nation with more guns than people and in the city with more churches than gas stations. We have lots of prayer. What we need is recommitting ourselves to spreading what King died for, the principles of nonviolence. And that's why I called and met with my Muslim friend, Sheikh Hamza Abdul Malik, the spiritual, you know there are 10 mosques in Memphis? 10. This is the Midtown Mosque on the front lines of the poverty and blight near our crosstown satellite. Uh, it's in the Klondike, Smoky City part of town. And instead of retreating farther out east or reading my news feed on my phone or talking to my friends, any of us can go there and volunteer and help. It's so much easier to misperceive people of other races or creeds when you don't really know the other. If poor people are stick figures labeled Latino migrant invaders or lazy urban black people instead of the single moms, including white single moms whom I have looked into the eyes of, moms working two jobs, yet still unable to pay rent, food, and childcare. When poor people are abandoned or categorized as dangerous and not known as human beings with faces and godly souls just like you or me, I don't care what synagogue you go or you don't go to, you are violating the Torah. We run away from the promised land that we all want and dream about. 
in this week's Torah portion, Kitavo. Whether in the land of Israel or in a city named Memphis with its own Mount Moriah, we all want the same for the children of our city, no matter what zip code we inhabit and no matter what religion we profess. Most people with the freedom and funds, people like me, could move on from last week's funerals and headlines back to the routine of work, school, family matters, trips. But so many more, so many more right here in this city and every city are still stuck in the trauma, anxiety, and fear of recent weeks and months. The key to moving forward in life, whether for us or the folks in our city whom this synagogue will never abandon, is not to let darkness ever define those who are suffering or who have died. We must never let darkness define this city we love, nor the beautiful people of every faith in this city who really are committed to standing together and building a more peaceful and humane tomorrow for all Memphians versus those who put down Memphis from cozy confines far away from the people whom the Torah commands us as Jews to help most. The orphan, the widow, and yes, the stranger Upstairs in our Temple Israel Museum, a deeply moving and emotional exhibit will formally open this Sunday at 3 o'clock on the life of someone who dedicated his life to social justice, Rabbi James A. Wax. Rabbi Wax's life story is a window into being a force for good and dignity for all God's children, not just some. And as I shared with a small group of museum sponsors last night, this historic exhibit is powerful because as our Torah portion teaches this week, history is literally present in everything we do. The great force of history, as James Baldwin said, is that we carry history within us. And for 4,000 years, wherever Jews have gone, whatever Jews have done, the past has walked with our people. That's why I won't make you read the whole Torah portion, but in the opening chapter, guess what it forms the core narrative of? Passover, the Haggadah, no matter what Haggadah you use, the Vidui Bikurim, the Jewish story is the story of a people who have been liberated from slavery and allowed to celebrate in freedom. Generations look through our eyes. Are we making them proud? Not with our success. Are we making our ancestors proud with our generosity, love, and concern for the abandoned, for the forgotten? We can either choose to run from the city where God has placed us in such a time as this, or we can get proximate. Proximate doesn't mean posting comments on social media or talking in our own social or political circles. It means what our temple has always done 
as a primary social justice address for Memphis since 1854. Getting proximate means running to the places and the people who need us rather than running away. As I told a national reporter covering Memphis in light of this senseless violence, North Memphis, South Memphis, East Memphis, even West, every major city in America is plagued with closed schools, youth with guns, systemic poverty, disinvestment, disillusionment, educational inequity, fatherless homes, the list goes on. This creates a recipe that cities like ours are working to combat. Memphis really is no different than other cities. But the way our faith community responds to tragedy is the difference. We take serious moments of pain and fear and convert them into action. The season of fall officially begins this Thursday. Thank God a new season is coming. It's been an awful summer for those of us who have stayed with Memphis and those of us who have stayed in Memphis. But the remarkable thing I have witnessed up close, not just in recent weeks where friends of friends were killed, but over the summer being with South Memphis and Klondike and pastors and imams, the remarkable thing I've witnessed up close is that even with the shattering violence and ongoing poverty, our Memphis brothers and sisters in every corner of our city are still, still embracing hope. That's what nearly 40 ministers from every part of our city affirmed four nights ago on the pulpit of Mississippi Boulevard and also in that neighborhood near our Midtown Temple Crosstown satellite. East Memphis is just a slice of this magnificent Memphis city filled with such hopeful, creative, talented individuals across all racial, religious, socioeconomic lines. Yes, for all the naysayers and all the bad press, there really are Jews, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, atheists, people of every faith and no faith who are doubling down on the unity of humanity in Memphis and our shared commitment to the sanctity of life and what our belief in God requires of us, no matter what our path to God. This is the week when we're all commanded to rejoice over the good. Remember that strange commandment? You are commanded to rejoice and see the good no matter what the bad. The yellow fever epidemic in the 1870s, did you know, wiped out one-third of this city and another third left Memphis. Do you realize this means that Memphis almost disappeared off the map of the United States? I'm not exaggerating. 67% of this city was either dead or fled. So why are we here? Why is there a city with tigers, football and basketball and grizzlies pride? Why is there a city with barbecue and Graceland? What explains how every person you know doing okay is the beneficiary of a good life? The answer is the one third who didn't leave Memphis who stayed behind, nursed the dying, 
including my rabbinic predecessor, Temple Israel Rabbi Max Samfield, who pastored grieving families, buried victims day and night, and heroic lay people. He and others just like you saw it through. And when he died in 1915, do you know the streetcars in the Bluff City in the heart of the deep Christian South stopped in homage to the bravery and sacrifice of a Jew in 1915 here? Three years later, 1918, when black people were still being lynched, his successor, Rabbi Fanzel's successor, Rabbi Feinschreiber, led over 100 white ministers to the lynching site beside the Wolf River and said, never again, enough. And exactly 50 years later, as you'll see in the exhibit upstairs, Rabbi James Wax in 68 led nearly 300 Memphis ministers to Mayor Loeb's office to remind him of the dignity every child of God deserves, whether black or white, Jew or Gentile, rich or poor. Most members of Temple cannot speak for the poor because the majority of us, myself included, are not impoverished. Even if more than a few whom this temple takes care of are struggling financially. Most of us, however, cannot understand the pains of poverty because most of us aren't poor. But what we can do in the spirit of Judaism and in accord with our synagogue's mission to stand with the poor and most vulnerable among us, as the Torah says, that's what we can do. We can stand together and cry out for those living without access to healthy food because of redlining in the food deserts in North and South Memphis. We can also stop shaming and blaming poor folks working two jobs at Target and McDonald's, like this woman I met, but, but not earning enough, even from two shifts, to feed kids, pay the rent, or find public transportation. The evictions of good people working three jobs in the United States of America who still can't afford to pay for food, rent, or basic necessities is a moral disgrace. In my own nice neighborhood, I don't see the faces of the poor. So I have to get proximate to be reminded of my responsibility as a Jew. We can look away from those faces or we can enter the world of good people who for whatever reason just can't catch a break. Just who can look into the graves and the faces of so many who are suffering, so many victims of violence, so many victims of COVID, or even globally as we're going to be hearing all weekend, who can look into the mass graves of the innocent Ukrainian victims of Russia's mad war? Who can look into the graves of so many victims and experience the true depth of each life lost? God can. So here's my closing teaching. Did you know that there is a blessing Jews are instructed to say when you see any large crowd gathered, like at this weekend's joyous Cooper Young Festival in Midtown or tomorrow night's Memphis Tigers football game? The blessing goes like this. Baruch harazim. We praise you, God, sovereign of the universe. You see what is hidden from our sight. When you and I look at a crowd 
All we see is a bunch of anonymous people. But when God looks into a crowd, the rabbis teach, God sees inside each and every soul. God knows us intimately. God knows our potential for goodness. And as we enter Rosh Hashanah, God knows our need for repentance and improvement. God knows our specialness. God knows our loves, our dreams, our imperfections. Chacham harazim. God knows our secrets. When Memphis loses so many to gun violence, whether black, brown, or white, or when thousands of every creed and color die from a plague named yellow fever in 1878 or COVID-19 in 2020, God bears the loss of each man, woman, and child in his or her uniqueness. God gathers up their pure, innocent souls, fills them with the peace that was stolen from them on earth. God knows the pain of every single survivor, your friends, who are grieving now. God weeps with us, not against us. We pray for both our dead and we also pray for those left behind. We pray for safety and protection and wisdom in eradicating the plagues of our time. We pray for ourselves and for this world and for the city of Memphis we love and will never run away from. May we carry forward the legacy bequeathed to us, a legacy of partnership, love, action, and caring concern for the greater good of our great city and every person in it. Um, amen.